Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back. And we are here and we're going to jump in really quick with our guest on the Unity Talks episode because we are going to cover the entire 30 minutes with a lot of knowledge from Brett Mills, who is a CPA and a PFS, and he is a managing partner at MRM CPAs in Frisco, Texas. Brett, what does PFS stand for? <laughs> PFS stands for Personal Financial Specialist. Uh, okay. Yeah, so the AICPA uh, has this designation, which is very similar to a CFP, which a lot of people are more familiar with. I am familiar with the CFP. I'm familiar with the CPA and all these other acronyms. That one threw me off, so I appreciate the clarification because I'm sitting here glancing at it at the last second going, I don't think I know what the PFS stands for. Now, is that test and certification and you have to have hours and everything like the CPA, same thing. Very similar, same thing. Yep. Okay. Uh, so we have to have additional CPE for that. So okay. uh, not only do I have to have 40 hours a year, but now I have to have 60. Yeah, you have CPE coming <laughs> out of your ears right now. That's it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. Well, hey, a little bit about our guest, Brett. We're jumping in quick here. So he's married, his wife named Sarah. She was actually supposed to be here today and she had some other obligations. And shout out to your nine-year-old because he is a huge Manchester United fan and they are up 3-2 on Arsenal in just about the 90th as we record this and yeah. a three-year-old daughter. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, hi, Blake. Hi, <laughs> Hannah. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic. All right. So we're going to get into a bunch of different things. Leadership advice. We're going to get into understanding what MRM does and how they serve their customers. But here's what's crazy. So Brett's background is incredibly interesting. I mean, you you kind of, you know, some people would say, well, he wanted to be a software programmer. Oh no, there's an attorney in there somewhere. No, no, no. Now he's doing accounting and, and now he's doing financial planning and wealth management for people with the PFS designation. Yeah. So take us back to the beginning. Okay. Before we even got into school and all of these designations and stuff like that, you went to school to be a software programmer, but that really was a dream of yours when you were in middle school, right? That's right. Yeah. So really my story goes back to when I was 13 years old. Okay. Let's take us there. Okay. So when I was 13 years old, my father actually gave me a lawnmower and hired me to mow his lawn. And, uh, was he going to pay you? Was he going to pay me for okay. $75 a week? We had a pretty big lawn, about three acres or so. Wow, so it took okay. me a long time to Riding do or push mower. That's important. Push mower. All right. All right. You know, so it's worth the it. lines very yeah. nicely. Um, so very early on, I think, is when my entrepreneurship kind of came out because I did that for about a month and decided I would look for someone in the neighborhood to hire to do our lawn. And I did that. I found someone to do our yard for $25 um, and I hired the guy and my <laughs> father was both uh, mad and happy at the same time. <laughs> so you pocketed the 50. That's right. And sat on the porch drinking a lemonade, right? Yeah, that's right. Is that what we that's did? right. Pretty much. All right. Yeah. That's so, awesome. So, so that was kind of my, that was my first job. My first, uh, 
you know, dream of being an entrepreneur someday. But, yeah. you know, I also am a Nintendo generation guy. I grew up playing video games, mm -hmm. loved video games so much. And so I thought I wanted to be a video game programmer. Yeah. Um, so I started taking coding in high school and in college. Wow. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. That's that's pretty mm -hmm. cool. I would not have done that had I been a kid at that time, mm -hmm. right? That that wasn't me. I wasn't the Nintendo guy, but that's mm -hmm. so cool because you wanted to, I mean, they had you, right? And that's oh, what yeah. you were going to do. And it painted your destiny until you actually graduated. And four years into being a software programmer, it wasn't what it was cut out to be, right? That's right. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I was in my cubicle writing billing software for Blue Cross Blue Shield Hospital, and I guess sitting in a cubicle all day, just interacting with a computer is not really my personality. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I was up drinking beer with some of my lawyer friends, and they convinced me to go take the LSAT and become a lawyer, and that we would open up our own uh, law firm someday. And so that's what I did. So you quit being the software programmer and took the LSAT and you're going to law school. Going to law school. So well, uh, that's but, right. But we, yeah. let's back up. One, let's not get too far ahead yeah. because the same person who outsourced the lawn mowing expedition to a neighborhood kid also saw their software programming jobs outsourced, right? That's right. And so it got turned on you. Yeah. So you started seeing things outsourced a little bit and thought, man, maybe there's a better path for me. I'm not having a lot of fun mm -hmm. and I'm seeing things be outsourced overseas. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, back in 2000, um, really outsourcing became very popular. Mm -hmm. um, I was even sent to India once uh, to help open up a data center there to teach folks there to do our job uh, mm -hmm. here locally. So I kind of saw that writing on the wall and, you know, just, you know, I mean, I, I could have stuck with it, I guess you could yeah. say, but, yeah. you know, I don't know. The, the, the idea, the entrepreneur inside of me was very excited, you know, by the idea of becoming a lawyer and mm -hmm. opening up a, a law firm from scratch. And yeah. so that's what yeah. I decided to do. Especially doing it with your buddies, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, are they in law right now? They are. They're just scattered all over the place okay. in various okay. aspects of law. So you go to law school, you're there two years, <laughs> mm -hmm. but that's not what you do right now. So what <clears throat> happened? So in the, you know, towards the, the beginning, middle of my, uh, you know, law school uh, studies, I came home one summer uh, and my father's CPA, he's one of the founders of McCarthy Rose Mills or MRM CPAs. Mm -hmm. And that summer uh, I was just at his office, helping out with some filing, you know, preparing some tax returns. And he had lost his succession plan. One of his junior partners decided to leave and go into the industry to become a CFO uh, okay. for one of our clients. Okay. Um, and at that point in time, my dad just came to me and said, Brett, you don't want to be a lawyer. How about you come on, you know, I'll teach you this business, this industry, and we can uh, work together and run this business together. And uh, so I thought about it long and harm. It wasn't a mm -hmm. very easy decision to make, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's what I ended up doing. So, so when you're thinking about that, when you were younger and you saw your dad, cause your dad opened the firm in the mid to late 1960s, mm -hmm. right? Correct. Um, Plaza of the Americas, mm -hmm. right? That's where they'd been officing for years. We'll get into that move here in a little bit. Right. Um, and so 
had you ever thought when he's coming home from work and you're sitting at the dinner table and he's talking about his day and all this other stuff and you're like, that is not what I want to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, seeing my father work those long hours, yeah. you know, that a lot of CPAs did back in those days, um, just seeing, you know, him doing what he did for whatever reason, that's just not something that it was attractive for me at the time. And my father didn't push me in that direction at yeah. all. So. I think, you know, where I am now is, you know, a sentiment to him, you know, mm -hmm. not pushing me in that direction, but I definitely found my way there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. really cool. It's so crazy. So we're going from an IT software programmer, right, mm -hmm. to maybe a lawyer, now an accountant, right? Three just thrilling and fascinating jobs, people would say. I'm just joking. So don't, don't <laughs> kill me on that. Um, and then you add on this other certification that you got just fairly recently, right? For the wealth management, wealth planning. Correct. Okay. So you've made fairly significant shifts, pretty quick succession early in your career when you're in school, right? Mm -hmm. So some people would say, and Brett doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. Mm -hmm. and, and there might be some fairness to that at the time. But other people would say, man, he's just got a lot of really good experience and background, and he probably uses some of the stuff that he learned, particularly the IT stuff today. How would you address people who would speak in both ways to your background and your decision in your career? There's, there's great validity to both of those arguments or directions, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in career paths. Uh, I would say that, you know, my IT background um, and even, you know, maybe the analytical studies that I did in law school have really benefited where I am today. Um, you know, today, all of our clients, uh, you know, they, they demand, uh, you know, having great IT, efficient businesses. Um, so instead of just being CPAs and involved in compliance work, uh, really our industry has shifted more towards being advisors helping our clients out to uh, make their businesses uh, you know, more uh, you know, financially stable, mm -hmm. helping them with cash flow, budgeting, financial forecasts, helping them uh, with their IT systems, with their accounting programs. We do a lot of software conversions and uh, implementations, and uh, that's really what our customers are asking for nowadays. Yeah, well, you're in a service industry, Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I think maybe there was a time where you could just you know, do the taxes and here's your bookkeeping functions. And that's that's the extent of the service that you're providing for your clients. And mm -hmm. and like you said, times have changed. You've got to offer more. And I think at least what I'm hearing is you're using maybe the little bit of I'm going to test these waters in IT and test these waters at going to law school and now I'm going to be a CPA and I'm actually putting it to use today, you know, 15, 20 years down the line to serve my customers. That seems like that gives MRM an edge. Would you say it does? I would. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the compliance work, you know, it's uh, looking backwards, you know, uh, preparing a tax return financial statements, those are all mm -hmm. historical, you know, but the advisory work, you know, consulting on the M&A transactions, 
uh, preparing a financial plan or a retirement plan for our customers. That's really looking forward. Mm -hmm. So I would say one of our edges is, is we, you know, add the backwards and, you know, we're looking forwards and backwards mm -hmm. um, and providing a more holistic uh, advisory service for our clients. So it's really competitive. Your industry is really competitive, right? Yes. And mm -hmm. and now more and more you have business development people who, who aren't CPAs who are going out and trying to win business on behalf of the partners of the firm. And right. so do you believe, I mean, we talked about it being the edge. That's the edge, though, that also helps you retain your customers as well. Because you're not just providing those few services. It's like, hey, this IT system, we're converting to this. You know, what's your thoughts? And you guys are coming in and doing more than just bookkeeping tax and system integrations. You're trying to solve all of these needs, even if it doesn't fall under the contractual agreement between you and your customer. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So how do you relate that to, let's relate that to an individual growing in their career, right? Mm -hmm. So your firm is providing more services to their customers that allows their customers to grow. And, and by virtue of that, your firm gets to grow. Mm -hmm. How do you tie that back into an individual in their career of, do I just do what my job description is? Um, do I do a little bit more? How do I go about doing a little bit more? Because I want to grow in my company. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think as employers nowadays, uh, we have to provide a, a very broad range of avenues for anyone to be successful in their careers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at our company, um, you know, we have tax, accounting, auditing, consulting, financial planning, investment management. And, you know, a, a lot of people will start off in one department and maybe they're successful there for a while. But, you know, maybe they find wealth management interesting or, you know, uh, M&A consulting uh, might be a, a passion they'd like to pursue. Um, I would say to those people, follow your dreams. You know, if something interests you, go for it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I would hope that you're with an employer that allows you to grow uh, in whatever area that uh, you find passionate. So you're saying being proactive. You're saying approach your employer and you're saying maybe approach your employer with some options or map out a plan and maybe they don't choose those options, but they know that you're interested in growing and they're going to work with you to the extent that's available within the firm. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you do that currently today with your firm? Like you're the only one with a, with the wealth advisory certification, right? Mm -hmm. so, something like that. And, and you've actually had people that have approached you. That's right. So, uh, you know, just one example, we had a, a young guy uh, join our firm many years ago, started out as an audit manager. Um, you know, he did really well in that job for about a year. And he came to me, he said, Brett, I'd really like to try out taxes. You know, my father is in tax. My mother is in financial advisory, but I'd love to do some tax. Mm -hmm. And so he said, sure, Chris, come on in and, uh, you know, let's uh, try out in the tax department. Uh, he did very well there for a year. Um, and then about the time we got into our wealth management practice, he said, Brett, you know, this is very interesting and I'm very excited about this industry. Can I now try to get into the financial advisory business? And I said, absolutely, Chris, let's do it. I think we'll be very successful together. Yeah. And I really supported him along those, you know, basically three career moves in three years 
uh, within our company, and he's just very much so flourished since Awesome. Then. Awesome. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you a question that may be a little bit more challenging with those regards, because I'm super curious about how you handle this situation. You're, you have, what, 35 people, right, right. growing? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say that Chris comes to you and says... You know, because he's done this twice and he is like, uh, he's a climber. I call them climbers, right? They are climbing in their career. Mm -hmm. He's like, Brett, I'm ready for the next stage. But you work with your other two partners, right? And you're like, man, I don't know that we have this next stage. How do you, how do you go back and talk to Chris? Is it one of those situations? You hear a lot of people that say, hey, look, at some point in time, if we don't have that opportunity, we got to let him go and, and help him explore for his benefit. We may take a little bit of a hit. I don't really want to do that, but we just don't have that next step for him. And, and we don't have that partner or whatever the next stage is here internally. Mm -hmm. Or do you create something? Like, what do you do when you're approached and you, you feel like you're stuck as an owner of the firm? Right. Great question. Uh, I truly believe of that you know bringing great people onto your into your business okay. uh, they're going to challenge you all the time they're going to challenge you to be better they're going to challenge you to open up new service lines um, and that's what we've done you know uh, yeah. we've got great people on board with us right now um, and they are challenging all of us you know to be better leaders to be better partners to grow our businesses you know one of our philosophies is that we're trying to grow a great company uh, mm -hmm. And to do that is we've got to have great people around us. And you just have to let those people run, you know, let them follow their careers, follow their dreams. Um, and yes, we'll create those avenues uh, of service lines um, so that they can be happy in their careers and successful. You can really tell that you value your, your employees and you love your yeah. firm. And, and sometimes that's so hard to do because you're sitting there looking at your company and your partners and you're going, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't even know if we can, we have the capital to get in this other line of business, but mm -hmm. we've got to create something. We've, we've got to let this, this employee who's asking for the opportunity flourish and we got to help them get there. And it's, it's so hard because sometimes you have to say no to certain things, which can be really challenging to do because yeah. you, you have that fear of, I don't want to lose this person on our team, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, it takes both. It takes, you know, uh, I guess that entrepreneurial fire, mm -hmm. you know, to want to grow a business, uh, create that great company. Um, but then you also have to know where to say no. You have to do the ROI analysis on each one of these decisions to make sure it's great mm -hmm. uh, for the company. Uh, that that also keeps the company healthy as well. Yeah. But you know, I, I, it goes back to our people. You know, I really believe in our people, and I believe in supporting their careers. And if we don't do that, then you know they'll find another place to do it. So good, so good. Thanks for that, Brett. Yeah. So. 1965, let's say, I don't know, mid to late 60s, yeah. this firm is open. It's in Plaza of the Americas. And then five years ago, you're in Frisco, Hall Office Park, right? That's, That's right. quite a move. 1965, Frisco was country roads, right? And just cornfields and yeah. dove hunting. And That's, we used to dove hunt right up uh, where our <laughs> building is right now. <laughs> so during that transition, I've asked you before, uh, did you lose a lot of employees? You know, because losing just a couple at, you know, maybe you're 28 at the time, 
that's 10% of the organization, right? Losing just a few and losing customers. Because a lot of times, especially five years ago, you make that move and we weren't in this pandemic society of, you know, hey, everything's online and just go to Zoom. You know, it's like face to face and people are dropping in tax information periodically as they find it in a box somewhere. Um, and you didn't lose customers. In fact, you had a lot of congratulations on the move and the way y'all handled that. And you've somehow created a firm that, that retains in people and retains customers. How do you do that? That's a good question. Uh, you know, you're right. We, we didn't lose hardly any clients. We lost practically no employees. You know, I think one at the time, uh, you know, of that move. At the time of our move five years ago, uh, we were only a firm of 10. And now we're wow. a firm of 30, 35 uh, in okay. January. So. You know, we, we losing a couple is bigger than 10 percent. That's right. That was a big deal. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think it's it, it's just providing excellent service to our clients uh, and to our employees, uh, you know, that that has really not, you know, affected us at all. We moved from downtown Dallas to Frisco. Uh, a lot of our clients uh, actually congratulated us and they said they preferred to drive to Frisco uh, from Dallas proper as opposed to going into uh, downtown Dallas. So the, the move was, you know, almost, uh, it didn't affect us at all. Really. Yeah. And well, I mean, you've gone from 10 to 35 mm -hmm. in terms of employees. So it had incredibly positive benefits for your organization because when you go from 10 to 35, it allows you to open up lines of business. You can't really open up a bunch of lines of business with just 10, but getting more people allows you to open up lines of business to, to take those Chris's and keep those Chris's who are climbers and want to be challenged in different areas. Mm -hmm. So the benefit has been tremendous. Would you have gone from 10 to 35 in five years had you stayed in Plaza of the Americas? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, first of all, one of our strategies about five to seven uh, years ago was to grow through acquisitions and mergers. Um, and a lot of those were in the Plano area anyways. And um, I think as, you know, most accounting firms did back in the 80s or 90s, they have been moving, uh, you know, up a little bit further north from downtown Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we just saw everything that was happening in Frisco uh, with, Toyota moving the corporate headquarters there uh, with the Dallas Cowboys moving their headquarters there uh, you know with other great developments like Wade Park and other ones uh, now we have the PGA moving up to Frisco there's just tremendous opportunities up in that area and uh, that has definitely helped our business well yeah when when big companies come on board you got all these little feeder companies that follow them no matter what because they're going to park their business as a service to these bigger companies and organizations right That's and right. you can start picking up and picking off those little ones and bring them into your fold mm -hmm. which is great let's transition real quick let's talk a little bit about leadership as we start winding up here okay so I'd asked you yesterday, I said, hey, Brett, think about, you know, two, two forms of leadership because we're talking to climbers in their career from an audience standpoint and we're talking to other leaders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, let's, let's take a moment, you take a moment, speak to both. Like, mm -hmm. what are the qualities uh, that people need to grow their career um, at maybe the rate that you did? And, and maybe they didn't find the path that they wanted early on. 
and they kind of stumbled onto it and and how do they continue to lead and grow in their career right well one of the first qualities that i thought of was the ability to listen um, and, and not just listen um, but also ask questions uh, listening and asking questions uh, is going to enable any professional services person, a leader, really anyone to, to dive down into the root problem or issue of, of someone, of whatever another person is dealing with. Um, you know, really ask questions. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of us tend to, you want to immediately diagnose someone, uh, uh, you know, immediately diagnose a problem immediately offer solutions. But a lot of times we find that if we ask lots of questions, really probe uh, for a very long time, I mean, 15, 30 minutes, you mm -hmm. think someone has a question, well, let's ask questions more for, for a very long amount of time and get to the, to the bottom of that issue. Um, and, then, and only then really can you, uh, you know, provide a great service for that person to, to help them figure out what they have going on. Yeah, so, so how do you practically tell someone, and you, you need to listen better, right? Without it coming off wrong, you know? How, how, yeah. do, you, how do you work on that? I would say by practice. Um, you know, there, there are some tricks uh, you can uh, use to help listen to others. Um, and, and, and just allow other people to talk you know, ask questions, ask them what they're interested in, ask them what their issues are, ask them what their pain points are. Um, you know, I really believe that leaders should be listening about 90% of the time, if not more. You know, the, the author, uh, cannot remember his name. Um, he was in the Chicken Soup for the Souls series, mm -hmm. right? And there were like just tons of those books that were written. Well, anyways, he has a book, new book out, it's called Ask. Okay, yeah. And him and his wife co-wrote it. And I heard her speaking and she said, you know, think about, you know, you, you've got a three-year-old and you have a nine-year-old, especially your three-year-old. I mean, you, it's, you're asking questions about everything. Nothing is off limits. And somewhere along the line of, of a three-year-old's development or a nine-year-old's development, asking questions gets beaten out of you, you know? Yeah. It just stops because all of a sudden we have this just, I don't know where it comes from, a, a fear of asking questions. We, we stop being, well, for the most part, we stop being as curious or we think, oh, I'm not gonna ask that question. Uh, they're gonna think it's a stupid question. But we don't know that when we're younger. Like, I don't, I don't know why we can't carry that forward and we stop being as curious or we stop just asking questions. Um, but I, I thought that was so cool. Like when you think about it, you know, you're right in those ages, three years old. I mean, nothing's off limits, but then there are times I would bet in your day where you're thinking, oh, it'd be interesting. I wonder why that, but you don't capitalize on that moment. I know that happens to me. Right. And I don't know where that comes from. Why it's almost like it's beaten out of you a little bit. You know, having that curiosity, I think, uh, and, and the ability to never say no or, or close off a possibility, mm -hmm. uh, I think is, is part of that. Uh, recently heard uh, an improv comedy guy talking about uh, improv comedy and how it can apply to business. And, you know, part of what they uh, advise is, you know, get no out of your vocabulary entirely. Yes, and. So when you're trying to problem solve or brainstorm an issue, it's always yes and. 
So yeah. it's never no. You're never cutting yeah. off an idea. Well, that's funny because that is an old improv trick. Yeah. Like whatever they're talking about, whatever the other person says, you have to say yes to it. Right. You can't say no because it kills the bit. Yeah. So you have to say yes and then take it to the next level. And that's the bit. And so working yeah. on that. So that's funny that you brought that up. But yeah, that's you. kind of the old trick. If we of apply improv. that to business, yeah. I, I think that would really kind of uh, increase our creativity. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and problem solving skills. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So last one, resilience, right? That was one. We talked a little bit about resilience and persistence and just keep grinding and and you had said, man, I failed so many times in my younger life, in my career, my older life, I failed way more than I've succeeded, but it's just yeah. having that resilience. Where does that come from? Uh, that just comes from, I don't know, just comes from within, you know, just never giving up, you know, having, you know, just a, a growth mentality, a growth mindset. I mean, you know, if you're wanting to switch from mowing lawns to coding to being a lawyer to you know cpa financial advisor to, to a leader i mean just you know always pursue your passion mm -hmm. never give up you know I, I passed or i failed the cpa exam more times than i passed it um it's just yeah. just never give up having that tenacity uh, to follow your dreams uh, whatever they may be at the time is uh is resiliency a muscle that you can grow or is it something that you're born with or the growth mindset, right? Yeah. Is, are you just, are you tapped out when you're born or is it something that you can grow? Yeah, I, I think you have to work at it. I think uh, in many ways we all at least have a tendency to have that fixed mindset to to want to get a certain grade on a test and be done with it. Uh, but I think, you know, especially in today's age where technology is just moving at such a fast pace uh, you know, compliance is going to, you know, be taken over by machine learning, AI, mm -hmm. things like that someday. We've got to be diligent in always learning. And I think yeah. that's, that's what it's about. Brett, if we got you on in a year from now, are you going to be like a mechanical engineer or a chemical engineer or some other career path? Maybe. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> we might have to check in on Brett. Hey, that's our show for today. Brett's been fantastic for us. And you heard it, it's listening, it's resiliency, and those are muscles you can work on, but it takes intentional effort to expand on them and become better. So until next time, work on those muscles. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.